0: Well, if you have little ones, if you have little, little ones, I apologize. Our nursery worker is out of town this uh, Sunday. But if you have not so little ones, but little enough that they can go to Children's Church, we'll dismiss them at this time. Uh, they can go with Miss Kimberly and Mr. Mario uh, to Kids Church. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. That means heaven's going to be loud (laughs) because when I'm in my house and I have a bunch of children at my house, the volume, the decibel level increases exponentially. It's like a, a jet airplane in my den. And so, uh, I just pray that, that, that God will allow that, uh, that volume level to be tempered uh, in glory. If you have your Bibles this morning, open up to the book of Matthew chapter 22. And as you're turning to the book of Matthew, uh, just to give you a, a semblance of, of comfort, a semblance of, of that which is normal, uh, we'll ask the question of, of, in the book of Matthew... We understand that Matthew was written to was written by Matthew. Matthew. In order for us to understand the Scripture, we must understand the context. And so we understand that Matthew was written by Matthew. It was written to a specific audience. And that specific audience was? The Jews. The Jews. And it was written to convey a specific theme. And that theme was Jesus as the son of? David. David. Very good. Very good. Now, Interestingly enough, as we get to Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is presented as the son of David. He's presented as the promised one of Israel. Yet as Jesus goes into these parables in Matthew chapter 21 and chapter 22 he is talking about the kingdom of God that is going to be taken away from the nation of Israel and going to be and we're going to look today offered up to the Gentiles and so even though Jesus was the promised son of Israel and the the promised son of David that this does not exclude this does not exclude the universality of the call of the gospel message so Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in a parable, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. And again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited. Behold, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatted livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. They paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and sent his armies And destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways. And as many as you find there invite to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and they gathered together. All they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw there a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And he was speechless. The king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness in that place where there shall be weeping and gnashing or gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. God, as we see this very complex parable that Jesus speaks, Lord, may you, by your Holy Spirit, open up our hearts that we may hear what your word has to say to us. God, we thank you that you take your word. And apply it to our lives. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray this morning that Jesus may be exalted in all that we say and all that we do. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, my prayer today is that when you leave this place, that you will have the right clothes on. That you will be dressed appropriately. When we look at this parable, when we look at this parable, we have to understand the context. Jesus has just spent... All of Matthew chapter twenty-one. He's just spent several parables telling the religious leaders that that which you expected is not that which is going to come to pass. He walks into the temple. He overturns the table. He drives the money changers out. He goes in and 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 he begins to tell these parables to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, saying, saying, you guys don't get it. You you're you are you are missing the boat. And we see this this whole idea that that the kingdom of God will not be inherited by the religious leaders. It will not be inherited by the Pharisees, but rather it will be inherited by the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And so Jesus is turning their expectations on their head. And so this is, this is the context of what we're seeing. Jesus is going into this parable and he has just told all the religious leaders that that which you thought was, was going to garner you favor with God is not keeping of the law all of your ritualistic all of your all of your your piety all of your keeping of the law that is not going to earn entrance into the kingdom but the prostitutes and the tax gatherers they are going to enter into the kingdom of god before you And so as he gets to this parable, Jesus is going to transition. He's going to transition from not just the tax collectors and the prostitutes, not just those Jews who were who were wicked, not just those Jews who were unrighteous and unworthy, but he's going to change the whole scope. He's going to change the whole scope of the invitation to the gospel and the invitation to the kingdom of God not just for those Jews who were unworthy but now he is going to extend the scope of the gospel to the Gentiles. For Matthew's audience this was groundbreaking. This was epiphanic. This was this was wait a second. The kingdom of God is not just for the Jews. It's not just for God's covenant people, but it is for all. And so this this parable, this parable is going to further turn what the religious leaders and the and the the devout Jews what they believed is going to further turn it on its head. Well, let's let's begin to look at this. Let's begin to unpack. I want us to notice that there were two groups of invited guests. Now. Also, want us to understand that this is not the initial wedding invitation. Jesus had already sent out, God had already sent out a save the date card. Okay? We 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 started a, a few years ago getting these save the date cards. Have anybody ever gotten a save the date card? I got this save the date card the first time and I'm like, what is this? This you're telling me to save the date for something like six months from now? I don't know what I'm doing 6 days from now let alone 6 months from now but I've got to, I've got to save the date for 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 this event well this is customary this was customary in the ancient world is is they would they would send out an invitation to either a wedding or a ball or a, a or banquet, and they would send it out. They would send it out months and months in advance because oftentimes in those days, especially if you're going to travel to come to this wedding or to come to this banquet, this is not something that you can hop on a plane and you can be there in a couple of days. It's something that would take many months and many many uh, many hours of preparation and planning, and and you would have to plan your route. You would have to uh, plan how you were going to get there, where you were going to stay on the way. You would have have to bring provisions and so the wedding the invitations for the wedding were already sent and these people had rsvp these were people who had already said we're going to be there we will be there this mess this invitation if you look at the gospel look look at look, look at chapter 22 i want you to see this in the text the preacher's not just making this up verse 2 the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Verse 3. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had already been invited. You see that? They had already been invited. They had already told the king we will be there. And so what the slaves are doing is they are now going out into those who have been invited and saying, look, we've, you've already made preparation to attend. You've already promised us that you're going to be here the day has come the feast is ready the fatted calf has been slaughtered it is the, the the cushion delay is here the jambalaya is ready it's time to come and eat that's where the invitation comes from now i want us to understand that those who were invited were god's covenant people the nation of israel the people of israel had already been promised Eternal life. They had already been promised entrance into the kingdom. God had made a covenant with Abraham. He had made a covenant with Isaac. He had made a covenant with Jacob. He had made a covenant with David. He had said, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will bring you into the kingdom of God. He had already given them the invitation. Now, Jesus shows up. God sends John the Baptist and says... The wedding is here. The feast has arrived. There is one. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Son is here. The promised Messiah has come. We have been promising and we've been covenanting together that that, that I will send a, a Messiah and I will save my people from their sin. And I have been promising this for thousands and thousands of years. And you've been expecting this, and now it is here. That's the message of the invitation. That's the message of this parable. And he goes to the nation of Israel. He goes to the people of Israel. And there are two responses. I want us to look at this. It's very important. There were two responses to that invitation. One was outright opposition. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the religious leaders. It was outright opposition. Look at the text. Verse 6. The rest they seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. That's that one group that there was outright opposition. They did not like the message of the gospel. They did not like whenever Herod or had John the Baptist arrested, he didn't simply arrest him and say, Look, you know, you're really making things uncomfortable for me. If you can just, if you can just dial it back a little bit, I would appreciate that. No. Herod seized John the Baptist and cut off his head. They had, after, if you look at the book of Acts, the greatest opposition to the gospel in the book of Acts was not from the Gentile world. It was from the Jews. They arrested Peter and John. And they beat them and they said, Don't speak anymore about the name of Jesus. You can heal all you want. You can pray all you want. But if you speak about the name of Jesus, we'll kill you. There were those religious, those religious leaders, those, those pious people who were holding to the letter of the law. Who were outright opposing Christ. But the majority of people were not those who outright opposed Jesus. But there were those who were simply indifferent. They were filled with apathy. Look at verse 4. Again, he sent out others, slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner and my oxen and my fatted livestock, and all are butchered, and everything is ready to come to the wedding. Verse 5, But they paid no attention. And they went on his way. One to his own farm, another to his own business. There were two groups there, one who outright opposed Christ, but most of which who were simply apathetic. And indifferent. And I believe in today's society that this group, this group is the one that we see most predominantly in our world today. We have become so infatuated with the American dream that we have lusted after and pursued this world. To the expense of the world that is to come. In our society, the emphasis is the quest of the American dream has eclipsed our quest for the kingdom of God. God's word said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But we seek to add all these things unto us. So that one day we can pass it on to our children. And they can pass it on to their children. And they can pass it on to their children. Not realizing that this world and everything in this world is going to burn. That this world and everything in this world is temporal. And it is not going to last. But we are so concerned with our retirement. And our homes. And our possessions. And our, our desire to take hold of the American dream that we become apathetic and indifferent to the gospel I want to point out both of these groups those who were in outright opposition and those who were apathetic refused the invitation of the king those who killed the prophets those who who persecuted the church received the same condemnation as those who simply said, thanks but no thanks. I'd rather go back to my farm. I'd rather go back to my business. I'd rather attend to my own affairs rather than submit my life to this Christ. It's interesting in that world, in the ancient world, to refuse an invitation of the king is paramount to insubordination. This wasn't simply an invitation from a friend, a co worker, that says, hey, we're having a party, would you like to come? This was an invitation from the king. And when the king invites you, you go. And the invitation to the king says, come. Come participate in this wedding feast. Come participate in this banquet. Come and receive the blessings that I have to offer. And to fail to respond to the invitation, to fail to attend, is insubordination to the king. It's interesting that in our world today, the demands of this world supersede God's command to invest in the world that is to come we forsake the world that is to come for the world that is today and i'm afraid that we do so to the detriment of our own souls well i want us to notice what the parable does look at verse eight let me let me let me mention to you verse seven real quick Uh, As Jesus mentions verse 7, he says, The king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Uh, There is no doubt that verse 7 is a reference to what would happen to the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. When the entire city of Jerusalem was burned by the Roman government and set on fire never again to be rebuilt. The king was enraged. And the nation of Israel suffered. Verse 8. Then Jesus says to the slaves, he says, go into the highways and byways and invite anybody. If those people who've already been invited, who've already promised me that they're going to come, if they're not going to show up, go invite anybody and everybody. I want us to understand that there is no qualification for those who are invited to Christ. There is no qualification for those who are invited to receive the benefits of the kingdom of God. There is no qualifications for those who are invited to Christ. None. It's interesting. The scripture tells us that there were both evil and good. That there are no qualifications for those who are invited. The proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of the gospel is an invitation to come. I want us to look at the text. Mark chapter 16. Flip over, if you will, to Mark chapter 16. Jesus is giving his great commission at the end of Mark. Every gospel has a great commission, it's not just Matthew chapter 28. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is Jesus' great commission in Mark chapter 16. Look at verse 15. Jesus says to them, Go into all the world preaching the gospel to all creation. Not to those who look like you. Not to those who who have the same socioeconomic status as you. Not to those who live in the same neighborhood as you. Go and preach the gospel to all nations. The proclamation of the gospel, the invitation is for all. There is no qualification for those who are to come. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, All authority has been given unto me, therefore go into all nations, making disciples, teaching them to observe all I have commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, In the Holy Spirit, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Samaria. Into the uttermost parts of the earth. That there is a, there is a command, that there is a, a responsibility to invite all. That the proclamation of the gospel is not just for us. It's not just for Americans. It's not just for those who live in South Baton Rouge. It's not just for those who are middle class. It's for the drug addict, it's for the drunk, it's for the Muslim. It's for the single unwed mother. The gospel proclamation, the invitation is for everyone. The invitation is open to all, but I want us to notice the text. The invitation is absolutely for everyone, but the invitation is not unconditional. Here, the gospel message is... In Matthew chapter 22, the gospel message is open to all, but it is not unconditional. Look at what the text says. Matthew chapter 22, the king walks in, and he looks across the wedding table, he looks across the wedding feast and he sees the tables. And he sees all of the people there. He sees... People that he's never laid eyes on. And his eyes go to rest upon one man. That's what the scripture says. Verse 11. But the king came in and looked over the dinner guests. And he saw there a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, he said, friend, why'd you show up at my wedding not wearing wedding clothes it's interesting that even though the invitation was given to everyone there was still a requirement for right apparel has anyone ever been overdressed or underdressed for an event you ever showed up one time I showed up at a funeral wearing a suit and a tie, and everybody in the funeral was wearing jeans and a t shirt. I was I felt completely out of place. I've I've I've, I've gone to to events where y'all you know, wear slacks and a polo and everybody's in a suit and tie. Or 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 you, you just you walk in and you just feel completely out of place. This man stood out, completely out of place. Why? Because he wasn't wearing the right clothes. Now, I I want us to understand what the text is not saying. The text is not saying that there were these superficial expectations that was placed upon the individuals who were invited. The text is not saying that those guests who were invited must do X y or Z that they must that they must accomplish something that they must bring something of themselves to this banquet but what the text is saying is that the invitation is open to the bum it's open to the drunkard it's open to the ragamuffin but it was necessary for him to not remain a drunkard for him not to remain a bum not to remain a ragamuffin, that he must he must clean up, that he must put on new clothes, that he must present himself to the king as one who is worthy of the king. But what's interesting about the gospel message is the transformation from, from that ragamuffin to a child who is worthy is not our responsibility but rather it is something that Christ has already done for us I want us to look at the gospel look at Galatians chapter 3 Galatians chapter 3 The invitation was open to the ragamuffin, but he could not stay a ragamuffin. It was necessary for him to be cleaned and for him to be dressed. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the church. And it's interesting as we understand the context of the book of Galatians. They were telling those Jews... I'm sorry, those Gentiles who had become converted, they were telling them that you have to not only become converted to Christianity, but you have to be circumcised and you have to participate in all the feasts and all of the rituals and all the laws of Judaism. You have to become a Jew first and then you can become a Christian. And that's the whole message of the book of Galatians is that we are justified not by our works, but by our faith. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Verse 26 and verse 27. For you are all sons of God through your works of righteousness. Is that what it says? You are all sons of God through your faith in Christ. Well, what does that do for us? Look at verse 27. For all of you were baptized into Christ and you have clothed yourselves with Christ, and in doing so, we are clothed with His righteousness. So when we stand before the wedding feast, when we show up at the wedding of uh, the, the wedding feast that God is preparing for us, we are showing up not dressed in our sin, not dressed in our rags, not dressed in our own righteousness, but we are showing up dressed in the righteousness of Christ because of what He has done, because of what He has accomplished. And so, when the King is surveying this dinner and he sees this one man that stands out what he's seeing is the one man who has clothed himself in his own righteousness clothed himself in what he can do clothed himself in 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 his own ability clothed himself in 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 his Goodness and his ability to keep the law and clothe himself in, in, in his own righteousness. And as Isaiah says, our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. And so the message of the parable is that the invitation to the gospel is open to everyone. But it's not unconditional. You must be clothed With the righteousness of Jesus. It is nothing that we can do church. This guy who showed up. And put on his own clothes. Tried to do it himself. And the king says. You are not wearing the right clothes. The right clothes. Is all that what Jesus has done. The gospel is this. That all has been done by the finished work of Jesus. And there's nothing that you and I can do. That it is not our church attendance. It is not our tithes. It is not our ability to to, to understand doctrine. It is not our, our faithfulness to attend this or attend that. It is nothing but what Jesus has done for us. And when we receive the righteousness of Christ by faith, and only by faith, we are imputed His righteousness. The the whole crux of the gospel, the whole power of the gospel, lies in one theological word. Imputation. We couldn't be good enough. So God was good enough for us and gave us his righteousness. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin. He imputed unto Christ our sin that we might become his righteousness. He took the thief, the drunkard, the liar, the addict. And he says, you can't be good enough on your own. So Jesus came. Lived a perfect, righteous life. Completely fulfilled all of God's requirements and traded places with us. The beauty of the gospel is imputation. I want us to understand 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's the heart of this this doctrine. He says this, Paul says it like this. It's it's the same message as in Matthew chapter 22. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? You go to this wedding feast and if you're wearing the wrong clothes, you're not going to be able to stay. You're not going to be able to sit with the king. You're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of God. Paul says, do you not know that the righteous, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. If you're a fornicator, if you're an idolater, if you're an adulterer, if you're a feminine, if you're a homosexual, if you're a thief, if you're covetous, if you're a drunkard, if you're a reviler a swindler, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And verse 11 says, and such were some of you, church. And so when we proclaim the good news of the gospel, we must understand that we are proclaiming the good news of the gospel to those who were in the same position that we were. And there is no opportunity for pride or arrogance, but it ought to humble us. It ought to give us a sense of awe that many are called. That the invitation is given to everyone But there are few whom God chooses to impute his righteousness to. To those who respond by faith to the gospel message. It's nothing we can do, church. And this world that is outside these doors are in need of this gospel. Because they are trying to do it on their own. How do I know? Because there was one day whenever I was trying to do it on my own, I was trying to be good enough. I was trying to to be a good enough person. And if you go and you ask almost to a person, they will say, if I do more good things than I do bad things, then I'll be okay. But even our good things are filthy when compared to the righteousness of God. And when we stand before the King, and if we're not dressed in the righteousness of Christ, He will say, bind them and cast them into outer darkness. But we have the message of hope, church. We can only enjoy the wedding when we're wearing the right clothes. My prayer for you is that you're wearing the right clothes. That you're clothed, not in your own ability, but you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And that we would take that message to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that Jesus fulfilled righteousness so that I don't have to. Thank you that in my inability to keep the law, Jesus kept the law for me. Lord, I thank you that, that while God saw me as a sinner, as a thief, as a liar, He refused to leave me as a thief and a liar. But he clothed me with Jesus' righteousness and is conforming me by His Holy Spirit into the image of His Son. If this morning you realize that you've been wearing the wrong clothes, that you've been trying to be good enough, trying to keep the righteous requirements of the law, only to find yourself frustrated, may this morning, may you come and change clothes. Take off your own righteousness and put on the righteousness of Jesus. Give to him your sin and take upon yourself Christ. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. Or maybe you find yourself like the apathetic recipient of the invitation, that you've been so focused upon this world that you fail to see the importance of the kingdom of God. May you not leave this place without doing business with God. Maybe today God is speaking to your heart and telling you that this is the place that God has called you to serve, that he's called you to, to join with us as we seek to impact our community with the gospel of Christ. We pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would have his way in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But our empty, whitewashed tombs, God, if there are those here this morning, may they fall upon the cornerstone of Christ and be broken before him and find forgiveness and grace and compassion. Jesus says, Where sin abounds, their grace abounds that much more. There are some of us who are in great need. And God is simply calling you to trust in Him. Not to trust in your insurance company or not to trust in FEMA or not to trust in the government or not to trust in, in any political realm but to trust God and in Him alone. God, we pray this morning as we as the church exalt the name of Jesus, Lord that He may be present in this place. And when we leave, we would take the good news of the gospel to a hurting and hopeless world. In Jesus' name we pray.